off and the clock has started. Here we go. Welcome to 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. I'm Amy, your announcer for this week, and now, here's Doug. That's what I thought, 122. Yes, welcome to 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. My name is Doug Prezak, just like it has been for the previous 121 episodes, because this is 122. <laughs> Normally, this is the uh, point of the show where I talk about any news I might have, or things I've seen or read, or things that have bothered me, but you know what? I've got nothing this week. <laughs> Oh, but I did get uh, one bit of news. Uh, this show crossed over 12,000 downloads. <laughs> Yay! I know, so you're saying, oh, that Doug, bless his little heart. He tries so hard. But, you know, Joe Rogan gets $2 million a day. <laughs> I say I don't care because you know what? Joe Rogan doesn't tell you the things that I do. That's right. <laughs> Which is probably why he gets $2 million a day, and I don't. What you're probably saying is, oh, great. Now what's he going to blather on about for 19 minutes? <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, and then this happened. Well, a couple of nights ago, my executive producer was making some tea, and she asked me if I would like some, and um, I said, no, thank you, mostly because I don't like tea. <laughs> but you know what? That didn't stop me from thinking about tea. <laughs> if I got to think about something, why not tea? And when I started thinking about something, well, come on, people, after 121 episodes, you know what happens next. That's right. I did some research, so you don't have to because you're probably making your own cup of tea right now. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's start our story the way we usually do with a little bit of history. And right from the beginning, we have some controversy. Of course we do. We always have some sort of controversy on this show. Now, this one is about who discovered tea. Claim number one, tea was discovered in China. According to Chinese legend, the history of tea began in 27. 37 BC, when the Emperor Shen Nong accidentally discovered tea. The story goes the emperor was sitting beneath the tree while his servant boiled some drinking water. A leaf from an overhanging wild tea tree drifted into his pot. If you ask me, I think the servant discovered it. Anyway, Shen Nong was a renowned herbalist who used to wander the countryside, recording the effects of infusions made from the leaves and berries of various plants. He decided to try the infusion that his servant had accidentally created. See, the servant did it. Anyway, Shen Nong enjoyed the uh, drink so much that he researched the plant further. Legend has it that the emperor discovered the tea's medicinal properties during his research. Not too dissimilar from mine, I might add. <laughs> Shen Nong had a stomach ache that he had contracted as a result of drinking a toxic herb, and his new tea cured that ailment. All right? Claim number two, tea was discovered in India. So this claim of tea discovery is less about boiling a tea leaf and more about, um, we'll say religion, okay? Bear with me here. The Indian history of tea attributes its discovery to Prince Bodhidharma. He was an Indian saint who founded the Zen school of Buddhism. In the year 520, he left India to preach Buddhism in China. To prove some Zen principles, he vowed to meditate for nine years without sleep. Now, it's said that towards the end of his meditation, he fell asleep. Warning, the following may be too intense for younger children, or frankly, anyone listening. The story goes, when he woke up after nine years, he was so distraught that he had fallen asleep that he cut off his eyelids and he threw them to the ground. 
Oh my God. The legend has it that a tea plant sprung up on the spot to sanctify his sacrifice. It's kind of impossible to know whether there's any truth to any of this stuff, but uh, tea drinking certainly became established in China many centuries before it had even been heard of in the West. The Tang Dynasty, and that was 618 to 907, is often referred to as the classic age of tea. (laughs) It was then that drinking tea became widespread and became firmly established as the national drink of China. It became such a favorite that during the late 8th century, a Buddhist monk named Lu Yu composed the Cha Ching, or Classic Tea Treatise. In that, he described types of tea, its uses, as well as the preparation and benefits of drinking it. More importantly, he infused... (laughs) You see what I did there? He infused the writings with a spiritual theme that reflected Buddhist, Taoist, and Confucian religious thoughts of the time. During the Sung Dynasty, poetry and artistic references to tea grew in popularity and became known as the Romantic Age of Tea. (laughs) So we have two ages of tea there. It was also during this time that knowledge of tea began to spread. Japan's history of tea begins around the early 9th century when a Japanese Buddhist monk named Saicho is credited with introducing tea to the country. While he was studying in China, Saicho discovered tea and brought the seeds back to grow at his monastery. Other monks followed suit and pretty soon small tea plantations sprouted up at secluded monasteries. Buddhists would often drink a cup of tea to stay awake during their meditations. We know what happens if you fall fall asleep. The Japanese priests eventually shared tea with the Japanese royalty. The emperor of Japan loved tea so much that he ordered tea seeds from China and had them grown in Japan so that everyone could access it. During the Ming Dynasty, tea was prepared by steeping whole leaves in water, kind of like it is today. Instead of compressing the tea leaves into bricks or grinding them in a stone mill like they had previously done, the tea leaves were first dried, then rolled, and then heated in iron woks to stop the oxidation process. The brewing process simply involves steeping the tea leaves in hot water without the need for a whisk. Hey, wasn't there a tea brand called Whisk? Oh, wait a minute. Uh, That was brisk. Never mind. A Chinese monk brought this new rolled tea with him during his travels to Japan in the 17th century. Shortly thereafter, a tea merchant in Kyoto by the name of Soen Nagatani invented a new Japanese method of steaming, drying, and rolling green tea during the 18th century. This process and type of tea became known as sencha, which is now a mainstay in Japanese tea culture. Well, at this stage in the history of tea, Europe was kind of missing from the picture. In the latter half of the 16th century, there are the first brief mentions of tea as a drink among Europeans. These are mostly from traders and missionaries who were living in the East. Tea finally made a significant appearance in the West in the 17th century. A Portuguese missionary is attributed with bringing tea to Europe while caravanning back and forth between Portugal and China. However, Dutch merchants entered the picture in 1610. The Dutch saw the commercial potential of the tea leaf and the first shipments of Japanese and Chinese tea arrived in Europe via ships chartered by the Dutch East India Company. The English were a little slower to the tea party. Coffee remained the drink of choice in coffee houses that were frequented mainly by men. The tea fad caught on slowly with women who perceived it as a genteel drink. (laughs) 
1657, the first shop to sell tea in England opened, and it was run by Thomas Garraway. The shop sold tea imported by the Dutch and contributed to the rise in popularity in London's cafes and coffee houses. The drink gained further legitimacy when King Charles II married the Portuguese princess Catherine of Braganza. You see, Britain's new queen, she loved tea, and as part of her dowry, she brought with her a chest of fine Chinese tea. She began serving the tea to her aristocratic friends at court, and the word of the exotic royal beverage spread quickly. Because it was an imported luxury, only the wealthy could afford to uh, drink tea. The least expensive pound of tea available cost the average laborer about a month's worth of wages. The lofty tea prices made tea a highly fashionable and elitist drink. The ability to serve and drink tea with elegance and skill marked social status and indicated good breeding and intellect. To that end, many wealthy 18th century English and Dutch families had paintings made of their family having tea. <laughs> the concept of afternoon tea is still a popular British institution, and you can credit Anna, who was the seventh Duchess of Bedford. She complained about the long gap between the light breakfast and the late evening meal. To satisfy the hangries, okay, <laughs> they didn't call it that, but... That's what it was. She advised her maid to bring a pot of tea and light refreshments to her room. Anna soon began to invite her friends to join her for afternoon tea, and the trend spread quickly. Now you're saying, hey, Doug, isn't afternoon tea the same as high tea? Oh, my friends, high tea is very much a different thing than the afternoon tea. Even though it sounds more elite, High tea is actually a 19th century working class custom. High tea is served around 6 p.m. and consists of a full dinner meal for the common people. <laughs> High tea is served alongside meats, fish, eggs, cheese, bread, butter, and cake. High tea is more of a man's meal, while afternoon tea is more of a lady's social diversion. <laughs> and now it's time for a break. After I dash off for a spot of tea, when we come back, tea hits America. And at Boston Tea Party, they ain't got nothing on Edmonton, North Carolina. Cheerio. Meet the great American quencher, Lipton Iced Tea. It has more quench because it has more brisk flavor than other iced teas. Why? The Lipton Blend and the flow-through tea bag. It's like getting two bags of flavor in one. Look inside. Two bags of flavor in one. You get that clean, fresh, brisk Lipton flavor. Lipton flow-through tea bags or Lipton iced tea mixes. Choose lemon, lime, or mint. Delicious. Apparently, the uh, British version of a spot of tea is different than mine. Their version, a spot of tea is a small cup of tea. Uh, Doug's definition, a spot of tea means I need to go change my shirt. <laughs> Enough of that. Let's get back to it. Tea finally arrives in America. The first tea was brought to the United States in the 1650s by Peter Stuyvesant. Peter was a Dutch colonist, and he brought the tea to the Dutch colony of New Amsterdam. The New Amsterdam colony was captured by England in 1664, and they renamed it New York. The tea trade flourished with gatherings of colonial women and wealthy colonists. By 1720, the global tea trade was centered in New York, 
Boston, and Philadelphia, and tea was traded between England and its colonies in America. However, taxes on tea were ridiculously high, and smuggling became very, very common. At the same time, the British East India Company, also known as The Company, (laughs) sounds like the mafia, they established itself as a dominant trading power and would go on to monopolize the tea trade with China. The company acted as an imperial arm of England and would exercise significant political power in helping to create a wealthy and powerful British empire. This included not only trading tea, but also the right to annex land, direct troops, and dictate British laws. Now, the British East India Company, they were suffering some cash flow problems and they persuaded the English Parliament to implement a very heavy tax on tea by the way of the Tea Act of 1773 to bolster up their failing financial position. Well, you know, that got the upstart Americans all riled up. (laughs) The colonists were pissed off because it increased profits for the English by skipping over local merchants and selling directly to the people. Clearly, this uh, created a tense political environment in America, and it resulted in uh, dissent and the popularization of the notion amongst the colonies of no taxation without representation. The colonists eventually had enough. Enough, I tell you. (laughs) A group called the Sons of Liberty was led by Samuel Adams. From Boston. They... They planned to raid the new shipment that was meant to be unloaded in Boston on December 16, 1773. On that same night, a small group of other protesters decided to dump tea into the Boston Harbor while dressed up as Mohawk Native Americans. Over the course of three hours, over 340 tea containers were thrown into the Boston Harbor. These events went down in history as the Boston Tea Party and kind of kicked off that whole American Revolution thing. And that, my friends, brings us to Edenton, North Carolina. Thanks goes out to a listener, John from Edenton, who tipped me off to the story. It was originally written by Richard Carney and then further researched by me because, well, you know. Now, unless you live in North Carolina, you probably really haven't heard about the Edenton Tea Party. You see, the Edenton Tea Party wasn't just another boys club throwing tea into the harbor. No, this was one of the earliest political actions organized by women in the United States history. On October 25th, 1774, that's just 10 months after that other tea party, Mrs. Penelope Barker, she organized a gathering at the home of Mrs. Elizabeth King. In all, there were 51 women from Edenton, North Carolina gathered. Together, they formed an alliance wholeheartedly supporting the American cause against, quote, taxation without representation. In response to that 1773 Tea Act, the provincial deputies of North Carolina resolved to boycott all British tea and cloth received after September 10, 1774. The women of Edenton signed the Edenton Tea Party Resolution that protested the British legislation. I'd like to read for you part of that petition, but, you know, that just wouldn't be right. So, uh, representing the women of Edenton, here's Amy. We the ladies of Edenton do hereby solemnly engage not to conform to ye pernicious custom of drinking tea, or that we, the aforesaid ladies, will not promote or wear of any manufacture from England until such time that all acts which tend to enslave this our native country shall be repealed. 
It is a duty that we owe, not only to our near and dear connections, but to ourselves. We all know that drinking tea was a long-standing social English tradition, and social gatherings were defined by the amount and quality of the tea provided. So boycotting a substance that was consumed on a daily basis and that was really highly regarded in society demonstrated the colonists' strong disapproval of the Tea Act. The Edenton ladies recommended that women serve buttermilk, apple cider, and spring water instead of tea. At the event, they drank tea made from mulberry leaves, lavender, and locally grown herbs. The reaction in England was mostly derogatory and dismissive. How rude. The women were mocked in the London papers, and a political cartoon entitled Edenton Tea Party was published and released in London on January 16, 1775. The cartoon portrayed the women as bad mothers with loose morals. I know. On the other side of the pond, the women were praised as patriots by the colonial American press. Other women followed suit by swearing off tea. Southern women danced in ball gowns made from homespun fabric. Northern women had spinning bees for the production of homemade material. The women of Edenton represented the American frustrations with English rule and the need for American separation and independence. Man, and you know what happened next, that whole 1776 thing. There was very little written about the Edenton Tea Party for some time. However, in 1908, a plaque was dedicated by the Daughters of the American Revolution of North Carolina and placed in the state capitol building in Raleigh, North Carolina. It honors Penelope Barker and her leadership at the Edenton Tea Party. Now, tea hasn't gone too much further since then. It's still basically putting leaves in water and after a while, voila, you have tea. (laughs) But wait, you're saying to yourselves, but Doug... What were the major changes to the tea world? And if you're not saying that, go ahead, I'll wait. Well, thanks for asking. Yes, the United States is responsible for a few major changes in the tea industry. At the 1904 World's Fair in St. Louis, a group of tea producers organized a special tea pavilion and offered cups of hot tea to all the attendees. However, due to the unusually hot weather, it was not a big hit. To promote sales, the organizer asked a nearby ice cream vendor for some ice, which he then added to the glasses of brewed tea. Customers lined up to try the new invention, iced tea. Today, iced tea makes up around 80% of the entire U.S. tea market sales. Tea bags were also developed in the United States. However, it was by accident. Patents for tea bags existed as early as 1903. However, in 1908, a New York tea merchant named Thomas Sullivan, he sent samples of his tea sealed in silk bags to restaurants and cafes throughout the city. After some time, he discovered that the restaurants were actually brewing the tea directly in the silk bags to save time. And as you can imagine, this method of brewing tea immediately caught on, and you recall that Lipton flow-through tea bag. <laughs> So there you go. Almost everything you ever wanted to know about tea. (laughs) Almost everything. Oh, good. My uh, tea is done, which means it's time to go. But first, what have we learned? Well, we learned that the whole tea thing started when someone was boiling water under a tree and some leaves fell in. We learned that afternoon tea isn't the same thing as high tea. And we learned you do not mess around with the women of Edenton. (laughs) 
That will do it for this episode. And as always, thank you very much for tuning in. And I will talk to you next time on 20 Minutes. You'll never get back. Bye-bye. Damn, this tea is hot. Hi, it's me again, Doug. I want to take up a couple more seconds of your time just to remind you, if you want to stay informed of when uh, the next podcast is posted, all you need to do is sign up at uh, on that Instagram machine. It's at uh, 20MYNGB, 20MYNGB, and that means 20 minutes you'll never get back. Uh, if you sign up there, you'll uh, always see when the next podcast is uploaded. And if you want to leave some comments, by all means, please do go to the uh, website at 20minutespodcast.com. So it's 20minutespodcast.com. And uh, you can uh, leave your comments there. It also tells you how you can be an announcer for the show. So take take a look at those two things if you'd like and stay informed. And I'll, as always, thank you very much for listening to uh, 20 Minutes. You'll never get back. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.